the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Demonstrate the love of God in some tangible ways with no strings attached. Ask God to help you have gospel conversation even as you go through this week. Maybe even as you talk about what it means to love God even as you love your country. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, it's so important in life, just getting to a place where, where like Christ, you can discern the times, you can discern the moment you're living in. And that's what we see in Jesus, discernment. He says, you hypocrites, what are you doing trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. And so then they brought him a denarius. And he asked them, whose portrait is on it? And whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. And then he said, well, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God. There you have it. One of the most well-known statements in all of human history, even outside of religious circles. Say it with me again. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. What in the world does that really mean? We're going to answer that, but let's finish this passage. So when they had heard this, they were amazed and they left him and they went away. This passage takes place right before a passage we've talked about for the last couple of weeks, where Pharisees again had come to Jesus and they asked him the passion question. You know, what's the most important thing? What's the most important command? Jesus said, you know, tell me. And the Pharisee, the lawyer, he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God passionately. Love others intentionally. But you may not have realized before that passion question came this political question. They were attempting to trick Jesus, to cause him to commit a crime or to cause him to commit heresy. You know what I think about when I see this? Divisive people and divisive politics. That's not a new thing. That's always been around. But Jesus, Jesus stayed on mission. He did not allow himself to be drawn into political discussions. The answer to this question really was the same answer to the passion question. Jesus wanted to demonstrate the most important thing is what's controlling your life. What do you love most? What do you love more than anything? I grew up being extremely patriotic. And in my small town in rural USA, everybody was a flag-waving American. 
Fourth of July was one of the most exciting times of the year. We would gather together and we'd have big picnics. Man, we'd have watermelon eating contests and eat hot dogs and and apple pie and ice cream. We'd have a big church softball game together. It was an awesome time. In the evening, uh, we would have fireworks. We would sing, God bless America. Man, everybody I knew simply loved the fact that, that, that we were Americans. Then I went off to college. And you know, I studied political science. That's what my degree is in. I studied our nation's history. I studied military history. I studied the things that have made this land great. And then God gave me the opportunity to work in Washington, D.C., to walk the halls of of the U.S. Senate, and even to have a little bit of an inside look into the White House, to walk around all the monuments and memorials in our great nation's capital. Then as I got a little older, I've had a chance to visit other places in the world. You know, I've been to the cemetery in Normandy, the American cemetery, more than a dozen times. There are few places on the planet more moving than that place for me. Just to think of the thousands of young men that gave their life, many of them on one day, to sacrifice so that we could enjoy freedom, so that we're not the United States of Germany today. Now I've traveled all over the world country after country. I love it. I love the different cultures. I love the diversity in our church. But at the end of the day, when I get off that plane, man, I'm so grateful to be on American soil. I really am proud to be an American. I like that old song we used to sing so much. But in in recent years, that pride has been called into question because it's almost like, how can you how can you serve God and, and love your country? How, is it okay to be grateful for this land we live in and, and also love our God fully? And I, I think the answer to these questions are found in the words of Jesus. I, I think the answers are found in what he said to the Pharisees on that day. And, and so I want to take his words, give you three statements that I think can help you love our country well. Help you be the kind of citizen that makes a difference right where you are, but also recognizing that God has placed you here to give him glory. Here's the first of those statements. You need to know who you are. Do you know who you are? We, We talked about this last week when we were dealing with those great commandments. We said that it's who you are that determines how you see the world and it's how you see the world that determines what you do for God. I think there are a lot of people who claim to know God that really don't know who they are, what defines us. And in our culture, we've allowed a lot of the things that define us become the thing that defines us. Let me illustrate that. So you may vote Republican and and you're a Christian. But you think of yourself as a Republican Christian, not just as a follower of Christ, the thing that should define us. You may be from a different race than I am. You may be African-American, for example, or Asian-American. But if we're not careful, we can let those things that do define us become the thing that does define us. And God was illustrating something through Jesus here that we need to understand about who we are. 
Jesus was making a, a statement that the religious leaders didn't understand in the moment. And frankly, many of them do not understand even still today. Jesus was explaining that there's more than one kingdom. And that you and I, we're citizens of more than one kingdom. So what did Jesus do in this moment? He asked for a coin, a denarius, a Roman coin that would identify clearly whose kingdom it was from. It was a Roman Empire coin. Uh, There would be a picture of Caesar. I was trying to think about how to illustrate this, and I, I thought about one of my favorite pieces of paper, the Ben Franklin, you know, one of our American leaders. I don't hold this piece of paper very often, but I like it when I do. And actually, I find um, when I hold it, it doesn't stay in my hands very long. This won't even get me a full tank of gas today. Go figure. But but when I look at this, I, I, I recognize that this isn't good everywhere in the world. This is an American bill. Some places take it, but not everywhere. It, it has a distinct purpose. I'm going to put this in my pocket for safekeeping. What was Jesus trying to communicate? He was reminding us that as citizens of this world, we're just pilgrims. In fact, in Scripture, he calls us exiles. We're sojourners. We're, we're people who stay here temporarily. In First Peter 2 and verse 11, it says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. In Philippians 3.20, it says, Our citizenship is in heaven. Maybe you've heard that quote by C.S. Lewis. If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were created for another world. Do you know who you are? Yes, you're a citizen of this world. If you're an American citizen, you're a citizen of the U.S. But if you're a follower of Christ, You're a citizen of heaven. So never forget who you are. You need to know who you are. But Jesus was saying more than that. He told us that we need to know where we were. We need to know where we are. Do you know that? Today, I'm at McDill Air Force Base. I'm at the Special Ops Memorial. I'm in Tampa Bay. I'm in this great sunshine state of Florida. I'm in the United States of America. So why does that matter? Why is that significant? Well, specifically, they were in Jerusalem. They were in what we call the Holy Land. But do you know that during this time, they were under Roman rule? So when they were asking a question about paying taxes, these weren't taxes that were going to the leaders in Jerusalem or what we call Israel today. These were poll taxes that were going to the Romans in other, in other words, it was payment to those who were occupying them, even though they were occupying them under rule. But still, Jesus makes a point. And he says, if it's Caesar's, give it to Caesar. And Jesus was reminding us, while we were made for heaven, we're not yet home. It's what Jesus talked about in in other places when he said, you're in this world, even though you're not of this world. So what do we do? We bloom where we're planted. 
That's what the prophet Jeremiah talked about in Jeremiah 29 in, in verse 7 when he says, Seek the peace and the prosperity of the Syria city which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you will prosper. God's word is saying to us, even though this is not our forever home, we are to live here and love it here so that we have the best opportunity to glorify God here where we are. So let's make that real practical. How do I do that? I love well. It's just the continuation of this summer of love that we're in. We love God and and we experience the Father's love. And then we love others in everything we do. We love well. We look out around us in this world to see that we might love well. I think Jesus was saying it's okay to love other things. You don't have to love just God. You understand that everything in your life comes from God if it's good. It's okay to love good things. What's not okay is to make any of those good things the ultimate thing. So it's okay to love your country. You just don't let the love of country supersede your love of God and who he is and where he's placed you. It's okay to love life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. You just don't let those things supersede the love of Jesus in your life. It's okay to celebrate these good things. Just don't let your celebration of good things become the ultimate thing in your life. And that's been the case for many, I believe, in recent times. It seems like other things, even other good things, have become the main thing. I want to challenge you on this weekend where we celebrate independence. As God, as God's word says, don't use your freedoms to allow you to sin. Don't allow the independence that you enjoy to allow you to put things that are not God in his place. Let God govern your political and governmental views. Don't allow those political and governmental views to govern what God should be governing in your life. That takes us to the last thing you need. You need to know who you are. You, You need to know where you are. But old friend, most importantly, you need to know whose you are. What did Jesus say? Think about this again. He held the coin and he said, whose portrait, whose image is on this coin? Caesar, they replied. Then he said, give to Caesar that which is Caesar's and give to God that which is God. Caesar's image was on the coin. Give Caesar the coin. God doesn't care about that. But where was God's image? Well, the Bible tells us. It describes it in Genesis 1:27, at the very beginning of the book. It says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Jesus was saying, give Caesar what is Caesar's. But give God what is God's. And you know what belongs to God? Everything. You know what belongs to God? All of you. What was Jesus saying in that moment? 
at the very core, Jesus was saying, you bear God's image. And so all of you belongs to him. Don't take any part of you and siphon it out to something else. Give all of you to God. That's all he wants. He wants to be the priority, the main thing. That's why scripture calls him the Lord. He's the CEO. He's the boss. He's the one who governs your life. He's the one who's in charge. What does that do? That means that we get to a point where regularly we pray what Jesus taught us to pray. You remember that? In the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer, he said this, pray that his kingdom will come and his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You belong to him. You bear his image. That's what should govern the way you live. Let me make this real practical and help you take it home. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. You can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. Let me just give you three things. The first thing I I want you to do is examine your loves. We we talked about it's okay to love different things. C.S. Lewis talked about four loves. He said there's, there's first philos love, which is a love that's kind of a brotherly love. I have that love for some men that are standing around me as, as we shoot this message out at McDill. It's the love we have for one another. There, there's eros love. That's that sensual love. I, I have that kind of love for one person, for my bride, for Kimberly. There's agape love. That, that's a love of God. And man, that's the love we're to have of God. But there's also what C.S. Lewis calls a storge love. And, and that's like, man, I, I love my car or I love my favorite shirt or I, I, I love other people in my life or I love it when horns go off out of nowhere. It's just a love of things. And that's okay too. But you need to examine those loves. Then you need to prioritize those loves. Make sure your loves are in the right priority. Nothing should come before your love of God. After your love of God and all that he represents, his church, all that it means to serve him, then nothing else should come before your love of family. Then you can love these other things, but prioritize your love. And then I would say to you, share your love. Remember, that's, that's what we're called to do as followers of Christ. Remember, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
and love your neighbor as yourself. I want to remind you again this week to use those kindness cards that we gave out last week and are giving out again today. Use those and demonstrate the love of God in some tangible ways with no strings attached. Ask God to help you have gospel conversation even as you go through this week, maybe even on Independence Day as you talk about what it means to love God even as you love your country. Share your love of God. As I close, I I, I want to remind you of a couple of things. Number one, every one of us are image bearers. Every person that's created is born in the image of God. That gives you great value. That gives you great potential. But here's the reality. The Bible also teaches that every one of us are sinners. That means in our lives, that image has been warped. And so God's perfect image that is implanted upon us at conception, sin begins to warp that image in our life. Jesus came to restore God's image for us. He came to take us as sinners and transform us into new creations that better reflect God's glory. If you're here as a follower of Christ, praise Jesus. You've been redeemed. Your image is being renewed, and one day we will be like him as we see him face to face. Until then, man, keep examining your loves, keep prioritizing your loves, and keep sharing your love. But if you're not yet a follower of Christ, here's what I ask of you. Why not today? Understand that he created you in his image. Know that sin has warped his image in your life. Believe that Jesus came, that he died on the cross as the punishment for your sin, and he offers for you new life and receive him into your life today and experience the greatest freedom you could ever know. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Across this room, wherever you are, wherever you're watching, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you just take a minute and ensure that you've got that right relationship with Jesus Christ? If you've never begun a personal relationship with him, I just remind you, it. I'm not talking about being religious or following a bunch of rituals. It doesn't matter if you've been Baptist or Catholic or Methodist or Episcopal or Lutheran or Assembly of God or Presbyterian or non-denominational. It doesn't matter if you've been to church class or First Communion or Confirmation, whether you've raised your hand and been dipped or dunked. I'm not talking about those things. I'm, I'm talking about a moment where you've understood, man, I was created in the image of God. Sin warped that image. But Jesus came to restore his image in me. And if you've never done that, would you consider just praying to him this prayer right now? Just you and him. Say this. Dear Jesus, just you and him, dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. I believe you died for me. And I believe you live today. Come into my life. Take control. From this moment forward, I'm following you. Thank you for saving me. Now I'm free.
a moment and tell him thank you. For all who've ever prayed that prayer, I want to remind you of something. The freedom that God gives us through Christ is really a total dependence on Him. As we celebrate our independence as a nation, I pray that this weekend you can celebrate your dependence on God through Jesus Christ. So Father, I thank you for those even in this moment that have begun a relationship with you. I thank you for others who've examined their loves and reprioritized things and walked out today with a commitment to share your love. God, as we continue to worship you, may you honor, may you be honored in this place by our praise. And we thank you for this. Jesus. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.